First in the morning, SAFM Sunrise with Stephen Grutis. 11 after 7. Good morning. Well, you would have seen yesterday South Africa's legal team presenting our arguments at the International Court of Justice that Israel is guilty of genocide in Gaza through its bombardment of civilian areas and through its killing of civilians. Our lawyers argued that the only thing that could stop the killings in Gaza would be an order from the court that there was clear evidence of genocidal intent and that Israel could not argue it was doing this in self-defense. One of the arguments that came through was that Israel had used snipers to deliberately shoot dead civilians, that 70% of the people killed were women and children, and that Israel had told Palestinians to move into safe zones and had then bombed those safe zones. This morning from 11 o'clock our time, lawyers representing Israel will respond to the arguments and present their case. Yesterday, the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, said, and I'll quote, the hypocrisy of South Africa screams to the heavens, end quote. Professor Andre Thomashausen is an, an emeritus professor of international law at UNISA. Professor Thomashausen, good morning and thank you for your time. Yes, good morning, Stephen. Good morning, listeners. Most people I've heard from after listening to yesterday's case believe we pre- we've presented a convincing case. I've seen some legal people even suggesting it's a watertight case. They suggest there's no response Israel can give. Do you agree with that? No, not at all. And I believe you haven't listened to me. But uh, I've been for a while very critical of, of this adventure. And... Um, and there are several fatal weaknesses in the South African case. That is why I maintain it is an opportunistic text case. It's not about getting Israel convicted of genocide. It's about maybe getting some interim measures into place that would deprive Israel of its legitimacy to to defend itself against the ongoing attack. The, the attack against Israel isn't over for as long as Hamas is holding on to over 100 hostages. Okay, so you're expecting Israel to argue along those lines today. What argument would you expect from them? Well, obviously, the self-defense argument, uh, there was an act of aggression by what is called a non-state actor, which is Hamas, and it was uh, perpetrated uh, with the type of violence that deprives Hamas of the protection under the Geneva Conventions. They have placed themselves outside humanitarian law. So uh, uh, that uh, that is the first line of defense. The other line of defense is that uh, South Africa is very emotional and, and uh, sometimes a bit hysterical presentation uh, did not prove genocidal intent. Uh, it is not sufficient for an 85-year-old pensioner to, to embark on some hate speech. It's also not sufficient for some soldiers to, to sing uh, some raucous war songs or threatening songs somewhere in the middle of an operational zone. Those do not uh, impute genocidal intent on the state of Israel. Okay, but there's been rhetoric and comments from politicians in Israel, so people who hold important positions. The defense minister called Palestinians human animals. Netanyahu said this is a battle of civilization against barbarism. The defense minister again said Gaza won't return to what it is before. We will eliminate everything. That's a defense minister saying that. Isn't that evidence of genocidal intent? Well, we have a member of parliament saying kill all the Boers. It doesn't uh, make South Africa guilty of a plan of genocide. Uh, Obviously, emotions run high in such a situation. 
and individuals will say all sorts of things. Uh, what has to be uh, looked at is the conduct. And there, of course, evidence will have to be led uh, because uh, the, the genocidal intent has to, be, has to be inferred from the conduct. And the ICJ in three judgments has, in, since 2000, has laid down very strict criteria for that. It has basically ruled that genocidal intent must be the only inference that can reasonably be drawn from a conduct for the judgment that there is a genocide being committed. And this has to do with the fact that this Genocide Convention of 1948 was drafted with the Holocaust in mind, the horrible destruction of, of six million lives, six million Jewish lives in Germany during World War II. And, and that is what the Genocide Convention is about. Not every war crime is a genocide. And maybe South Africa uh, could have reflected a bit deeper and a bit longer on this application and realized that to accuse Israel of genocide will, will not fly. You can accuse Israel of many things and possibly war crimes and many very serious wrongdoings. But um, the genocide thing, I doubt very much that the ICJ will be convinced by, by a couple of video clips and, and very selective, very often out of context uh, quotes of statements. Okay, but you talk about the, the conduct, but um, I suppose the question then would be to Israel, why would you target civilians uh, using snipers? Why would you tell Palestinians in Gaza to go to a safe zone and bomb the safe zone? Uh, wouldn't that be, I mean, 70% of the people killed in Gaza are women and children. Wouldn't that be evidence of conduct? Well, anything that was before the, put before the court yesterday was hearsay evidence, was narrations of, of newspaper uh, articles and, and news and media and, and uh, social media uh, uh, snippets. And um, uh, so far, there is no evidence that Israel ever targeted or killed a Palestinian because he is a Palestinian. The only evidence before the court, undeniably, is that over a thousand Israelis were killed because they are Israelis for no other reason, actually because they are Jewish, because amongst those killed were a lot of non-Israeli people that were Jews. So um, uh, that burden of proof still has to be discharged. Um, the, the IDF and Israel are not irresponsible and they're not suicidal. Of course, they will have avoided operations that uh, would not have served the objective of, uh, of fighting Hamas and of neutralizing Hamas. That is the objective of this uh, terrible last three months. Of course, there may have been excesses. And, and what we now see in Gaza is horrific. It's, it's a humanitarian crisis. But you cannot solve it with some court order that is beyond naive. You can only solve it by lobbying in the United Nations Security Council that an intervention force, a humanitarian military intervention has to take place, supported by many powerful nations. And once international fighting units are placed in Gaza, then obviously the bombardments will end. Professor Andre Thomashausen, thank you. Emeritus Professor of International Law at UNISA. You're with SAFM, 19 minutes after 7. Christopher Gervers is a lecturer in international law at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Christopher, good morning to you. I understand you have a different view to Professor Thomashausen. I do, yes, I do. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me.
Why do you why do you hold a different view? Why do you believe that our case yesterday that was presented does show that Israel is guilty of genocide? Well, I think with respect to the previous week, I think he gives a very a very um, narrow understanding of the of the case yesterday, but also an incorrect understanding of the law. So, simply put, the, the there's two problems with the idea that self defence um, is a sort of silver bullet in this case. The first is that the very idea that Israel's action can be defended on the basis of self-defense is legally questionable because self-defense is, is being raised by Israel in the context of an area that it controls. And in fact, the International Court of Justice, in a previous opinion, has said exactly this, has raised doubts over the, the ability of Israel to raise self-defense in respect of an area it occupies. This was specifically raised by our counsel um, at the end, this particular precedent, saying that you can't raise self-defense over an area that you, that you are affected in occupation of. And secondly, and I think more importantly, genocide can never be a response to self, a self-defense response. Genocide can never be a response to anything. And I think our counsel made this very clear. And that includes genocide by any state. To say that there's an exception for Israel, that Israel cannot ever be charged with genocide, is frankly ridiculous. Every state is bound by conventions they've signed, in particular the Genocide Convention, which every state is bound by, even if they haven't signed, because it's the kind of convention that gives rise to obligations on all states. So genocide can never be a legitimate response. And the self-defense argument, I think, is key today. And you will see that there will be debate not over just whether this is goes beyond the bounds of self-defense, but whether or not self-defense is even applicable in this instance. There was important and, and um, I suppose, emotional testimony about the killing of Palestinians yesterday. Now, this is important for the world to know. But Christopher, how, is it, how important is it legally? And let me just explain why I ask this. If I were arguing for Israel... I would bring a lot of testimony about what Hamas did during its attacks on Israelis. So we would have mm. lawyers trying to compare horror with horror. Okay, um, an awful thing, but that's what could happen. So the testimony about the Palestinians yesterday—how important is that legally in this case? So I think there's two points that arise here. So I think one of the issues that was raised by by the South African team, which I think is very important, is to say that yes, the events, uh, the, the 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 crimes committed by Hamas were awful, but they cannot be brought before this court because this is a court that deals with states. And in fact, South Africa made the point that they have already referred the instance, including the instances of crimes committed by Hamas, to the International Criminal Court. So in a sense, this is a it's a category error. You cannot raise these questions in, response, in this court because Hamas is not before this court. It's Israel that's before this court. You also cannot raise these questions in this court to offset Israel's uh, obligations because, as I said, you can't respond uh, to... Genocide is not a response to any type of crime, even to another genocide. So the response to a genocide must fall within the bounds of international law, including the prohibition of genocide. The second point is I think what the... What the what, and this is yeah, I disagree with your speaker, um, previous speaker as well, is I think what... The team did very well today, yesterday, sorry, was to link together the violations and the statements by senior officials. So in particular, linking together the violations of, for example, calling for the destruction of Amalek with soldiers then recounting that precise phrasing in the destruction of buildings. So I think we had a good case on the 84-page document, but I think we did did well both to head off the arguments that will come today and to tighten up some of those links, because that's essentially what this is about. This is not about the, about the question of whether or not those crimes are committed by Hamas. That is for another court to decide. This is about the response of Israel, which can never be genocidal, regardless of the history and regardless of the so-called provoking um, activity on the part of Hamas. 
Um, Christopher, if the court rules against Israel and Israel refuses to comply with the ruling, so it continues its attacks on Gaza and on the Palestinians in Gaza, could there be other consequences? And let me just explain where I'm going with this. So, for example, um, I would imagine a ruling for the court might have implications for the people who arm Israel. Is it possible that a ruling against Israel would have implications for the United States, which supports Israel, in other words? Absolutely, absolutely. So one of the things about the Genocide Convention and any, any, any ruling of the court that says you're in violation of international law is it places obligations on other states not to recognize that illegal action. And in particular, if those states are members of the Genocide Convention, it places obligations on them uh, to also prevent genocide. This is precisely why South Africa put itself before the court and said, please order us to prevent genocide. So one of the orders they're seeking is the order against South Africa itself. And that would be binding on all member states, including the United States. So there would be a general obligation on those states. And then given the level, the, the lack of daylight, both in terms of um, diplomatic support, uh, intelligence support, and military support between the United States and Israel, you can make an argument that the United States actually rise to the level of complicity in genocide or aiding and abetting genocide, which is a distinct crime under the Genocide Convention. Um, and it would be difficult to say, once the International Court of Justice, if it does rule, that this is a prima facie genocide, that states can maintain a neutral stance. Um, and perhaps the United States will continue with its intransigence, um, but other states, in particular other Western governments, I think will find it difficult to ignore ruling of, of the International Court of Justice. And I think what needs to be borne in mind with all of this is this is just a preliminary stage. So the, the burden of proof that has to be met by South Africa is much lower than at the merit stage. And I think it's difficult to say, based on the evidence that we saw yesterday, that there's not a plausible case being made. It's difficult to say that all the UN experts, the UN Secretary General, and all of them were not just incorrectly describing the events, but were so incorrect as to be implausible. I think that's a very hard barrier to meet at this stage um, of, of proceedings. Christopher, thank you. Christopher Gervers, a lecturer in international law at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. All right, well, you've heard sort of both sides as much as we're able to bring them to you in terms of the law on this case, your views.